Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. You're listening to the Law of Attraction Radio Network. Are you ready to change your life in the next 30 minutes? It's time for Power in a Half Hour with Coach Mark. Get your notebooks ready. He's about to go in. Five, four, three, two, one. Coach Mark, let's go. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in. This is Coach Mark, and you're listening to Power in a Half Hour. In the next 30 minutes, we're going to learn the tips, tricks, and techniques of the rich and the super successful. All right, so the quote that I'm going to start today's show with is, one of the greatest discoveries a man makes, one of his greatest surprises, is to find he can do what he was afraid he couldn't do. And that's Henry Ford. The title of today's show is Fearless and live more. That's exactly what we need to do. We need to stop fearing as much as we are fearing, and we need to live life and live it abundantly, all right? I want to thank you guys for listening. I want to remind you, if you ever want to go back and re-listen to any of my previous shows, you can go to my website, www.powerhh.com. That's www.powerhh.com. If we're not friends on Facebook, make sure you find me on there. My name on Facebook is Mark Star, M-A-R-K-S-T. T-A-R-R. And also we have a Power and a Half Hour Facebook group. So if you're not a part of that, just do a search for Power and a Half Hour or send me a message and I will gladly add you to that group. All right. Also want to remind you, if you are in the United States and you'd like to be a part of my daily message service, all you have to do is text BBD to 411-247. That's text the letters BBD, boy, boy, dog to 411 411- Two four seven. All right, are you guys ready? Let's go ahead and get started. Profile number one. Profile number one, Ted Waite. Now, Ted was born in Sioux City, Iowa, into a family that had been in the cattle business for four generations. While in high school, Ted failed computer science and ended up going to the University of Iowa to major in marketing. Now, during a trip to Des Moines with some friends, he met someone who worked for the computer retailer Century Systems. This experience changed Ted's life. Ted decided to drop out of school and learn the computer business on the job. During his nine months with Century Systems, he learned the basics and became fascinated by the fact that some of his colleagues could sell $3,000 systems over the phone without ever meeting the customer. Together with Mike Hammond, a fellow salesman, Ted hatched a plan to start his own company, focusing initially on a niche market of Texas Instrument computer owners. Ted wasn't able to get any financing from the banks, so he convinced his grandmother to put up a $10,000 CD as collateral for a loan. With the $10,000 loan, a vacant office on the family cattle farm, and two aliases due to a non-compete clause in their contracts with Century Systems, they started business in 1985 as TIPC Network. 
TIPC Network supplied add-ons for Texans, Texas Instrument computers that allowed them to run software written for the IBM PC. Ted and his partner charged users a $20 membership fee, which provided them with even more capital. In 1987, Texas Instruments offered owners of their computers a new IBM-compatible PC for $3,000. Ted and his partner Mike knew that they could beat this price and release a system with two disk drives and features for and other features for only $1,995. By the end of 1987, Ted renamed the company Gateway 2000 and moved the growing operation to the Sioux City, Iowa's Livestock Exchange building. Ted's strategy for selling PCs was very simple. Provide the most bang for the buck. This strategy worked as sales raced up to $1 million in 1998, 1988 to $12 million in 1989 and $275 million in 1990. Ted had a very simple strategy. To keep prices low, he would keep costs and overhead to a minimum. PCs were assembled after they were ordered and the inventory of components was kept very low, reducing storage costs and allowing Gateway to always offer current technology. Gateway sales soared to $627 million in 1991, passing Dell as the leader in direct marketers and then to $1.1 billion in 1992 and $1.7 billion in 1993. Now, is everyone paying attention to the timeline of this company? They start the business in 1985 with a $10,000 loan. They don't start making any real money until three years later when they make $1 million. The next year, they go to $12 million. The next year, $275 million. The year after that, $627 million. Then they almost double it that following year to $1.1 billion. This is back in the 80s. These guys, in the course of five years, went from making nothing to over a billion dollars a year back in the 80s. This man wasn't a computer genius. He failed computer science in high school. He was a college dropout. This isn't 2015 or 2016. This is back in the 80s these guys did that. What can we do now? Now, at the end of 1993, Ted decided to turn Gateway into a publicly traded company. Gateway's IPO was a success, making Ted, who was paying himself a salary of $200 per week, an instant billionaire back in the 90s. During the period of 1994 to 1999, Gateway continued to expand, and in 1999, the company brought in $9 billion in revenue and employed 19,000 people. Let's now look at some of the lessons that we can learn here from Ted. Number one, Ted failed computer science in high school but still went on to form a multi-billion dollar company while becoming a billionaire in the process. This man was not a computer expert, right? Or he didn't start off as being a computer expert. He just went, got a job and realized that, you know what? I'm probably going to learn more from this job than me paying this school all this money. So let me go ahead and learn while I earn 
and then take what I learned from this job and create me something a little bit more. Number two goes into exactly what I was just saying. Instead of paying to get an education, Ted decided to drop out of school and he earned while he learned. He was able to learn the computer business and get paid to do that. By the time that most of his previous classmates graduated school and looking for their first entry-level job, Ted's company was bringing in a couple hundred million dollars a year. I say it every single week. Those of you that have a job, there's something on your job that you can learn that can help take you to the next level. Stop going into work and, and working, you know, and just giving them half work. You need to be going into your job and working as hard as you can and learning as much as you can. Because everything that you learn on your job, you're going to use in the future. Right? Stop saying, hey, they don't pay me to do that. That's not in my job description. No, you learn everything that you possibly can. You work as hard as you possibly can for your company. And then you take everything you learn and then you start your own thing. If that's your desire. Number three. Gateway wasn't the first company to sell home computers directly to the consumer, but they found a more cost-effective way to do it and was able to provide more value to their consumers. Profile number two, Rachel Ray. Now, Rachel is an American television personality, businesswoman, celebrity cook, and author. Rachel hosts the syndicated daily talk and lifestyle program, Rachel Ray, and three foot. Food Network series, 30-minute meals, Rachel Ray's Tasty Travels, and $40 a day. Rachel was born in Glen Falls, New York, and at the age of 27, she moved to New York City. One of her first jobs there was at the candy counter at Macy's, where she eventually managed the fresh foods department. She later helped open a New York City market. Rachel then went on to work at various restaurants and markets where she credits receiving the concept of 30-minute meals to her experience working at various stores where she met people who were reluctant to cook. Here we go again. Somebody else that learned on their job and took what they learned on their job to do their passion and create enormous wealth. She taught a course in which she showed how to make meals in less than 30 minutes. With the success of her 30-minute meals course, the local CBS TV affiliate asked her to appear in a weekly segment on their newscast. This, along with a public radio appearance and the publication of her first book, led to a Today Show spot and her first Food Network contract in 2001. Rachel teaches many simple recipes that she said can be completed in 30 minutes or less. To the critics of her shortcut techniques, because you know she's going to have critics, right? Rachel responds that she has no formal training in anything. She says, I'm completely unqualified for any job I've ever had. I am not a chef. She's not a chef, but she's worth $60 million. Some of you won't do what it is that you want to do because you think that you're not qualified. Neither is anybody. Ted wasn't qualified to start a computer company. But yeah, he started Gateway and is worth a couple billion dollars. Rachel wasn't qualified to be a chef, but here it is. She's on TV every day, worth over $60 million. Now, Rachel signed a deal in 2005 to host a syndicated daytime TV talk show. 
She has been on the Oprah Winfrey Show numerous times. Rachel's show, 30-Minute Meals on the Food Network, went on for 27 seasons from 2001 to 2012. Rachel's television shows have won three Daytime Emmy Awards. Rachel has an estimated net worth of over $60 million. I'm going to keep giving you guys these profiles over and over and over and over again until it really starts seeping into your head that these people aren't any more qualified to do what it is that they're doing than you don't think you are as well. I'm telling you. I, there, I know for a fact that there are some super talented people on this phone. But you got to jump out of your comfort zone. You got to make up your mind that, you know what? If Rachel Ray can be successful, if this guy Ted can be successful, I can do it as well. Not even that I can do it. I will do it. I must do it. I have to do it as well. Profile number three, Mark Zuckerberg. Now, Mark Zuckerberg, as everyone knows, is an Internet entrepreneur, computer programmer, and is best known as the co-founder of Facebook. We all know the story, so I won't spend a lot of time recapping it. In February of 2004, Mark launched Facebook from his dorm room. This man launched Facebook from his dorm room in the Harvard dormitory. Initially, this was supposed to be a social networking site for Harvard students, and then Mark decided to spread it to other schools. Soon after, Mark moved to Palo Alto, California with his co-founder and some friends, and they leased a small house that served as an office. Initially, they planned to live in California for the summer, but after receiving an investment from Peter Thiel, the group decided to not return to Harvard and stay in California. Now, over the years, Facebook received many offers from bigger companies to buy them out, but Mark's goal went far beyond money. His goal was to build a platform to allow people all over the world to openly communicate. By July of 2010, Facebook had over 500 million users. Currently, Facebook has over 1.59 billion active monthly users and is worth over $300 billion. Here it is. This guy started this company out of his dorm room. It's worth $300 billion. I'm telling you, in 10 years, Facebook is probably going to be the most valuable company in the world. Every single one of us that's on this phone is on Facebook because that's how you guys heard about me. In 10 years, there's probably going to be over 3, 4 billion people on Facebook. This guy started it out of his dorm room. Some of you are complaining that you don't have enough money to go get you a building or an office. This man started a $300 billion company out of his dorm room 12 years ago, not that long ago, with nothing. Now, with a net worth of over $45 billion, let's now look at Mark Zuckerberg's rules to success. Number one, you get what you spend your time doing. If you spend your time working on your goals, you get to accomplish them. If you spend your time getting paid to help someone else accomplish their goals, you get the pay, they get the accomplished goals. If you continually work on improving yourself, then you become an amazing person that won't be able to be stopped by anyone or anything. Number two, get feedback. 
Always look to get feedback from your customers if you have a business or from people you respect and trust in everything else. This feedback allows you to correct possible mistakes that you may be making and also find solutions to problems you have or didn't even realize that you may have had. Number three, make mistakes. I didn't say avoid mistakes. Make mistakes. Don't try to avoid mistakes because you're going to make tons of mistakes. The most important thing is learning quickly from the mistakes that you do make and not giving up. Mark says that there are tons of things that Facebook did that could have killed the company off early on, but what prevented them from their demise was the ability to bounce back quickly when they did make these mistakes. Number four, only hire people who you would work for yourself. Now, I'm going to expand this even a little bit further and say only spend your time with people that you wouldn't mind working for. The number one thing that prevents most people from achieving the success that they desire is spending too much of their time with the wrong people. Now, we've all heard the quote because I've said it a million times. And if you listen to anybody that talks about personal development, your income will be the average of the five people that you spend the most time with. Now, when you spend when you spend your time with people that aren't trying to progress, it becomes easier for you to not progress. You can always predict someone's future by just taking notice of the people that they spend the majority of their time with. Number five, make a change in the world. The best entrepreneurs don't usually start companies with the sole intention of just making money. They start companies to make a change in the world. The benefit in changing the world is usually a huge compensation. This man didn't start Facebook to make billions of dollars. I'm sure that was the last thing that was on his mind at the time. He wanted to connect. First, he wanted to connect his school. Then he wanted to connect other schools. And then once he saw where this could go, he wanted to connect the world. The more change you bring, the larger the compensation you receive. Number six, learn from the people around you. Most smart people enjoy learning, and if that's the case, then what, what is better than to constantly learn from the people that surround you? This ties in well with number four. That's why it's so important to surround yourself with all the right people. That almost blew me away. When I read that, that absolutely blew me away because that's right. Smart people do love to learn, right? And you want to be around people that you can learn from. Most of us are around people that we aren't learning nothing from but bad habits. You want to be around people that you can learn from, right? That's how you learn more. Number seven, build a really good team. Now, as you can see, this is a recurring theme with Mark. Mark's primary goal is to surround himself with the right people. He spends three hours out of every day with his core team and 25% of his time recruiting good people. Now, these guys like Mark Zuckerberg and all these guys, it seems like they're just so super smart. It's not that they're any smarter than me and you. They just surround themselves with the right people and they're talking about the right things every day, therefore forming the right habits every day. 
They're not around people that are talking about the reality shows every day. They're not around people that are talking about depressing and garbage stuff every single day. They're around people that are talking about huge ideas. That's why it comes off that they're so much smarter than us, but they're really not. We just got to start surrounding ourselves with the right people. Number eight, always look to give your customer or anyone that you're doing business with the best experience. You want to make sure that every time your customer or if you don't have customers, the people that you interact with come in contact with you, they leave having the best possible experience. This is what makes people want to keep doing business with you or people to want to keep interacting with you. Number nine, care more about what you're doing than anyone else. When Facebook, when Facebook was starting, there were tons of people that had more resources than them. In all likelihood, they should have never been able to do what they did, especially the way that they did it. Even though all these companies had a way better chance to do what Facebook did, they did it because Facebook cared about what they were doing more. Although many of the big companies were playing around with social media, they couldn't see the big picture, so they weren't giving it their full attention. Most of the great stuff that gets built seems irrational at the time, but it ends up weeding out the people who aren't really passionate about doing it. People aren't going to get it. If you got an idea and you are extremely passionate about that idea and you share it with everyone and everyone's like, eh, I don't know about that. Or it's not. See, the problem that most of us have is that we need this validation from people. So we need that when we tell somebody our, de- our, our idea, they're like, oh, yeah, that's a great idea. And that's what encourages us to do it. But that's not what you need. Right. You need to believe in your idea, because trust me, if it's a really great idea, Most people just won't get it, and you have to be okay with that. Most of the ideas that I have, I really don't share them with a whole lot of people. And then when I do, people don't get it. And you know what? When they don't get it, that excites me more because that shows me that there's even that much more of an opportunity. We have to get off of our dependence of other people approving our ideas because I'm telling you, the great, great, great ideas, most people just aren't going to get in the beginning. And if you need that validation, then you're going to say, well, you know what? That's probably not a good idea. I probably won't do it. And then you're going to have some guy like Mark Zuckerberg come in and do your idea and make what you should have made. Number 10, some people dream of success while others wake up and work hard at it. Now, it's easy to talk about and fantasize about what you desire out of life, but the people that get to actually get what they desire out of life is the people that work hard towards it every single day. Now, the number one barrier to living confidently and living the life that you desire is fear. Many people experience some sort of fear every day. People either do something that they don't want to do or don't do something that they want to do because of fear. Fear is that little demon that sits on your shoulders that holds us back from growth, success, fulfillment, and happiness. Most of the fear that we experience is unfounded. Most of the experiences haven't happened and will probably never happen. They come about from thinking patterns that we have created. Now, these false beliefs reinforce mediocrity. When we allow these fears to control us, we feel like prisoners who have been jailed for years. 
When we do finally get released, this new world around us becomes too overwhelming and intimidating. We then tend want to want the comfort and safety of being back in that jail. That's so crazy, but we do that. We have to always remember that fear is a gold mine for personal growth. If you are fearful of something such as public speaking, heights, learning something new, or having an uncomfortable conversation, then you have found the gold mine. This is the place to start digging for the gems that will buy your freedom from fear and send you to the next level. Now, before you're able to live fearlessly, you absolutely must let go of some beliefs and actions. Number one, what other people think of you. You will never please everyone, and it's definitely not worth sacrificing yourself to accommodate some other person's belief about what you should or shouldn't be doing. Number two, the fear of failing. One thing is for certain, you will fail again and again and again. Failure is the pathway to success. Once you accept that, failure becomes less intimidating and you're able to just see it as the pathway to attaining your goal. Number three, the discomfort of fear. Fear is uncomfortable. No one likes to be sitting in the middle of fear. We will do just about anything to avoid it. But remember that uncomfortable feeling is temporary and it won't kill you. Number four, the fear of embarrassment. When attempting something new or something that may seem to be crazy, we may look stupid, silly, inexperienced, weak, or vulnerable. This will happen, but you must not let it hold you back. People will forget about your mistakes before you do. They are busy trying to remember their own mistakes. Now, if you can get rid of those things that chain you to fear, you will be on your way to living a fearless life. After you let go, you must take action. So here are some specific actions that you can take that will help you to be fearless. Number one, stay open to all possibilities. Let go of thinking you already know the outcome. You may think that you want to go right, but life takes you left. Go with the directions that life guides you in. It's always exactly where you need to be. Number two, embrace change. Change is constant and it's a part of the evolution of life. Don't fight it. It will happen anyway. So follow it wherever it may lead you. Number three, challenge yourself. Find the areas in your life where you feel fear and look those fears in the eye and accept a little discomfort so you can reap the great rewards of stepping out of your comfort zone. Number four, make plans but follow them loosely. Set goals for yourself and work towards them. But remember to stay open to possibilities and embrace change. Work towards your goal, but always look for signs to recalibrate. Number five, find mentors and model success. Look for people who are successful in the areas that you desire to be successful in. Watch what they do and how they do it. And as you study them, you'll realize that they may have had many of the same fears as you, and you will learn their strategies on how they overcame them. Number six, seek support. If there's something you really want but fear is holding you back, find an accountability partner or a coach that can help you to not only overcome that fear but accomplish your goal. And number seven, take action. The greatest cure for fear is simply taking action. Decide what you want to achieve, then just start doing the work. Just focus on the task at hand. Once that's completed, focus on the next action. Taking action is the most powerful thing that you can do. 
All right, all right. That's all we have for today's show. Wasn't it an amazing show? I know it was, right? Want to just remind you, if you ever want to go back and re-listen, you can go to www.powerhh.com. That's www.powerhh.com, all right? Now, I know you know three of your friends that should have listened to this show. Make sure you share with them the radio station that you are listening to this show on, or you can just have them go to my website, www.powerhh.com, so they can go ahead and re-listen, all right? And... Don't forget to connect with me on Facebook. My name on Facebook is Mark Starr, M-A-R-K-S-T-A-R-R. And on Instagram and Twitter, I'm at Coach Mark Speaks. That's at Coach Mark Speaks, C-O-A-C-H-M-A-R-K-S-P-E-A-K-S. And the quote that I'm going to end today's show with is, you gain strength, courage, and confidence by every experience in which you really stop to look fear in the face. You are able to say to yourself, I have lived through this horror. I can take the next thing that comes along. You must do the thing that you cannot do. And that's Eleanor Roosevelt. Thank you all. And until next show. Thanks for listening to Power in a Half Hour with Coach Mark. To listen or re-listen, go to powerinahalfhour.com. Follow Coach Mark on Instagram and Twitter at Coach Mark Speaks. Find Coach Mark on Facebook by searching for Mark Star. Like our Facebook fan page, Power in a Half Hour, and join our Power in a Half Hour Facebook group. You're See listening you to week. the Law of Attraction Radio Network. Heard by millions worldwide through 38 internet radio stations and in over 135 countries. Be sure to sign up for your monthly updates and get all the latest information on LOA radio events such as cruises, workshops, and seminars, as well as information on the latest shows, topics, and guests. Go to LOARadioNetwork.com Are you ready and to change your today? life in the next 30 minutes? It's time for Power in a Half Hour with Coach Mark. Get your notebooks ready. He's about to go in. Five, four, three, two, one. Coach Mark, let's go. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for tuning in. This is Coach Mark. And in the next 30 minutes, we're going to learn the tips, tricks, and techniques of the rich and the super duper successful. We're learning these so we can apply their tools and techniques to our lives so we can become rich and super successful. All right. So the quote that I'm going to start today's show with is opportunity dances with those already on the dance floor. Opportunity dances with those already on the dance floor. If you're not on the dance floor, you're not going to get a chance to dance. (laughs) That's what that means. All right. Well, the title of today's show is what are you waiting for? And that's a question I have for all of you. What are you waiting for in creating the life that you want? All right. Just want to remind you that if we're not connected on Facebook, my name on Facebook is Mark Starr, M-A-R-K-S-T-A-R-R. And I have a few Facebook accounts, so make sure you pick the one where I'm holding up the book, all right? And if you're not in our Power and a Half Hour Facebook group, send a request and I will go ahead and gladly add you to that group. And if you ever want to go back and re-listen to any of my old shows, you can go to www.powerhh.com. That's www.powerhh.com. If you're on Instagram and you want to connect with me on Instagram or Twitter, my name is at Coach Mark Speaks. All right, are you guys ready for today's show? Let's get started. Profile number one, Jen Smith. 
a.k.a. the millionaire mommy next door. Now, Jen grew up in a household where money was a constant source of tension. Now, although her parents were intelligent and hardworking, they lived paycheck to paycheck. A lot of intelligent people are living paycheck to paycheck. Hmm. Anyway, when she was 13, they divorced and her mom struggled to raise three kids relying on free lunches and food stamps. Now, as her mom neared retirement age, she was filled with anxiety because she hadn't saved for retirement. Her father was still a workaholic, even in his 70s, still living paycheck to paycheck. Now, as a young adult, Jen dropped out of college, drifting from one minimum wage job to another, paying more attention to the men she was dating than to her financial future. She ended up broke and alone, broken, disgusted and alone after her and her fiance broke up. This is when Jen realized that she couldn't count on Prince Charming to sweep her off her feet and take care of her. She couldn't go to live with her parents as both of them were struggling to make ends meet, so she decided to abandon her broken-down car and reduce her rent by sharing a one-bedroom apartment with three other women. That must be crazy. Can you imagine living in a one-bedroom apartment with three roommates? Three other women? (laughs) Wow. Taking advantage of free food specials at the local bar during happy hour, Jen learned to be resourceful and would do whatever it took to survive. Jen had a life-changing moment one night while she was working the graveyard shift at her diner. All right. She was pouring coffee for a homeless woman and realized that she herself was one paycheck away from also being homeless. Now, isn't that crazy? I'm sure she was probably there thinking to herself like, wow, this lady is homeless. She doesn't have anywhere to live. She probably doesn't have any money. And then she came to the realization that she was almost the same thing as well. Let her miss one paycheck. Let her not go to work one week and she would still be homeless as well. All right. That was the wake up call for her. She became motivated by the fear of an uncertain future. Sometimes we need events like this to happen to really motivate us to get ourselves together. She then opened the yellow pages and called professional dog trainers and negotiated an unpaid apprenticeship. Now, this is the best way if you ever want to learn something. I don't know. So many people are afraid to do a little free work. But guess what? Don't look at it as being free. Look at it as an opportunity for you to actually learn how to do something from someone that's successful in that particular field. If I want to learn how to do something, I will gladly go and work for somebody for free because you're going to learn everything that you need to learn. Right? We 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 are quick to go pay money to go to college and whatnot, but we don't want to go and work for somebody for free that's already a master in a particular field? Wow, that's kind of crazy to me, all right? But Jen was a little bit smarter. She realized how important this was. So in less than a year, her mentor offered her a job, and a few years later, she started her own successful dog training school. Soon after, Jen got married to a construction worker who was making $8 an hour. Now, because money ranks is the first most agreed topic for argued topic, excuse me, for many couples and 80% of divorces are the result of money disagreements, Jen and her husband decided to adopt children rather than having their own as having a child is considered the single best indicator of financial collapse. 
When I saw this, it just shocked me. But you know what? It makes absolute sense because kids are very, very, very expensive. A lot of people have children before they are financially stable. And I guess Jen decided that that's not what she wanted to do. So when she was 30, she decided to achieve financial freedom before adopting any children. Jen then made it her mission to learn about personal finance, investing, entrepreneurship, and lifestyle design. With this newfound knowledge, Jen created a plan that would allow her and her husband to be free of any money worries. Her plan worked. By age 40, Jen and her husband were debt-free and had over $1 million in the bank. Today, they are stay-at-home parents and they are financially free, working only, and I repeat, only when they want to. Jen and her husband, like most other millionaires, don't live extravagant lifestyles. That's the big misconception. Everybody thinks that because you're a millionaire, you're going to have all these yachts and boats. No, no, that's not necessarily always the case. Studies have shown that the top reason why some people manage to accumulate wealth is that they live well below their means. Now, because they don't live in super expensive areas, they don't feel the need to keep up with with most of their neighbors. Jen and her husband rent instead of own their own home. They share a car and don't subscribe to cable. Instead of spending on expensive homes, clothes, and electronics, they spend generously on recreational pursuits, organic foods, and long trips to faraway places. Jen now shares her story and the lessons she learned with other women looking to become financially free as well. So guess what? They spend the money on what it is that they want to spend the money on, right? They don't have cable. Cable costs what? Like $200 a month, right? And most people probably don't even watch it. You need to cut that out. That's over $2,000 a year. That's $2,500 a year, myself included. (laughs) And coming in 2016, I'm cutting off my kid because I don't even watch TV. I very rarely watch TV. You know, and Jen and her husband are making smart moves, right? That's $2,500 that they can save and they probably don't even watch TV, right? Most people probably only watch Netflix nowadays anyway, right? They don't own their own home. They share a car. They make smart financial decisions. So you don't have to make a whole bunch of money to become super successful or to accumulate wealth. It's just about making really good financial decisions. All right. Second profile for tonight. Amancio Ortega. Now, Amancio was born in a tiny village in northern Spain in 1936. His family barely survived as his father was a railway worker and his mother worked as a housemaid. His family was so poor that they couldn't even afford the most basic of items. At age 13, Amancio left school and started working in a clothing shop and learned to make clothes by hand. When he reached his 20s, he began making women's bathrobes with his siblings and his partner, whom he would later go on to marry. In 1972, he founded Confecciones GOA, selling quilted bathrobes, which Amancio produced using thousands of local women organized into sewing cooperatives. In 1975, he opened his first Zara store. During the 80s, he opened many big Zara stores throughout Galicia, Spain. Today, Zara is a part of the Inditex group in which Amancio owns 59.29% of. The Inditex group has over 6,000 stores 
and more than 92,000 employees and is the world's largest fashion retailer. For a brief moment earlier this year in October, Amancio was the richest man on the planet as stocks in his company surge. Currently, Amancio is the second richest man on the planet, surpassing Warren Buffett with a net worth of $78.6 billion. This man that had to drop out of high school, drop out of school at 13, parents were poor, now is the second richest man in the world. Now, here are the key takeaways that I took from this story. Number one, wealth is not determined by your family or upbringing. More than 70% of billionaires on the Forbes list created their own wealth. They didn't have their money handed to them like most people would lead us to believe. They are self-made entrepreneurs and innovators and were not born with a silver spoon in their mouths. See, we like to use that excuse, right? Because it makes us feel good that, oh, they're wealthy because somebody gave it to them. Well, over 70% of billionaires acquired their own wealth themselves. Lesson number two, takeaway number two, your formal education, which is classroom-based education provided by trained teachers, does not, let me repeat that, does not determine your success. Self-education will have more of an effect on your future success than formal education. Jim Rohn said, formal education will make you a living. Self-education will make you a fortune. And every single one of you that are listening to this show right now is doing self-education. Of the self-made billionaires in the United States, more than a quarter of them are college dropouts and two of them didn't even go to college. Now, I'm not advocating for anybody to drop out of school, but I want to use this as an example that if you did drop out or you didn't go to college, you can still become successful. Now, I want to share with you a few people that dropped out of college that ended up becoming wildly successful. Number one, Sheldon Adelson. He dropped out of City College of New York. It's now worth $25.8 billion as the CEO of the Sands Corporation. That's the company that owns the Venetian, as well as a bunch of other hotels in Las Vegas and Macau and all over the world. Number two, Paul Allen of Microsoft dropped out of Washington State. Paul is the co-founder of Microsoft as well as owns the Seattle Seahawks and the Portland Trailblazers with a net worth of $18.1 billion, all college dropouts. Number three, Andy Beal dropped out of Baylor and is currently a businessman and a banker. Andy is now worth $12.7 billion. Number four, Michael Dell, founder of Dell Computers, dropped out of the University of Texas, is now worth $19.7 billion. Number five, Larry Ellison, founder of Oracle, dropped out of the University of Chicago, is now worth $50 billion. All college dropouts. Don't let anybody convince you that if you did not go to college, you can't become successful. I'm showing you right now. The most successful people on the planet, most of them dropped out of school. Bill Gates of Microsoft, richest man in the world, dropped out of Harvard, is now worth $79.3 billion. Jan Kuhn, founder of WhatsApp, dropped out of San Jose State. It's now worth $8.8 billion. Thomas Pettify dropped out of college when he came to the U.S. from Hungary. He couldn't even speak English when he came to the United States. It's now worth $11.5 billion. 
Jack Taylor, founder of Enterprise Car Rental, dropped out of Washington University, is now worth $12.9 billion. Mark Zuckerberg, founder of Facebook, dropped out of Harvard, is now worth $44.6 billion. Jack Dorsey, founder of Twitter, dropped out of NYU before founding Twitter, is now worth $1.5 billion. Evan Williams, another Twitter co-founder, dropped out of the University of Nebraska-Lincoln, is now worth $1.85 billion. Sean Parker never even went to college, but went on to found Napster as well as serve as the first president of Facebook. Sean is worth $2.5 billion. Lesson number three from Amancio is that you don't have to be a young internet startup founder to become extremely wealthy. Amancio didn't open up his first store until he was 37 and didn't open his first Zara store until he was almost 40 years old. Now at the age of 79, he has over 6,000 stores and is the second richest man on the planet. He didn't start until he was 37 years old. He didn't open his first store until he was 37 years old. So now I ask you, what are you waiting on? You don't need the right family to be successful. You don't need any more formal education to be successful. Maybe a lot more self-education, but no more formal education. The only thing that you need to become successful is that you're going to become determined, that you will become successful and truly make up your mind to stop procrastinating and to get started, not now, but right now in pursuing your goals and desires. Procrastination didn't just start within the last few years with the rise of the internet. People have struggled with procrastination going back thousands of years. In 44 BC, Cicero called procrastination hateful. Napoleon Hill said procrastination is the bad habit of putting off until the day after tomorrow what should have been done the day before yesterday. Let's now look at some of the different types of procrastinators. Number one, first type of procrastinator, the perfectionist. Now, the perfectionists find it difficult to begin a task because the thought of getting every detail perfect is overwhelming. Once they do start a task, they find it hard to finish because they want every detail to be in place. How many of us are perfectionists? Now, if you're a perfectionist, work towards excellence rather than perfection. Deliberately make one mistake every single day. The second type of procrastinator is the the dreamer. Now, for the dreamer, abstract thoughts are more pleasant to think about than the real life actions that need to be taken. The dreamer finds it difficult to plan details and or to follow through with a task. Now, if you're a dreamer, try to differentiate between the dreams that are vague and goals that are specific and measurable. Make your dreams into goals. Define the what, when, where, who, why, and how you will compete them. complete them. Use an alarm clock or a timer as a way to remind you when to get to work. The third type of procrastinator is the crisis maker. The crisis maker works best under pressure. They enjoy the rush of working under a deadline on a task that might otherwise seem boring. Now, if you're a crisis maker, identify motivators for a task and use them rather than using stress as a motivator. Create deadlines for yourself as a way to use your natural adrenaline to rush to complete tasks earlier. 
Number four, the fourth type of procrastinator, the defier. Now, for the defier, many tasks seem like an unfair or unnecessary use of their time and energy. They prefer to maintain control over situations and retain a sense of individuality. Now, if you're a defier, strive to act rather than react. Reflect on the ways that you could potentially respond to a task before acting. Be aware when you're choosing defiance. Ask yourself whether long-term regrets are worth short-term pleasure. Choose one task every week that you will compete complete in your own way in order to satisfy your need for individuality. The fifth type of procrastinator, the overdoer. Now, the overdoer takes on too much and then procrastinates on one task for the sake of completing other tasks. The overdoer finds it difficult to prioritize and say no to other demands. Now, if you're the overdoer, recognize and respect your personal limitations. Focus your thoughts on how to gain personal control rather than how tasks control you. Learn to say no to tasks when appropriate. Try saying a pleasant no each day. And the sixth type of procrastinator is the warrior. Now, for the warrior, most tasks seem risky or unnecessary. They prefer to stay in the comfort zone and avoid change. Now, if you're a warrior, remind yourself that choosing not to make a decision about a task or action is itself a decision. Don't allow what-if thinking to take you out of action. Every day, do at, least, do at least one part of one thing you've been putting off because you're uncomfortable doing it. Now, how many of those do you fall under, right? I know personally I have been every single one of those types of procrastinators. Now, everyone, and I mean everyone, has or still procrastinates at some time in their life. Now, once we identify it, we have to make up our mind to do something about it. If not, it can and will destroy our lives. So let's now look at some of the ways that procrastination can destroy our life. Number one, procrastination causes us to lose precious time. The worst thing about procrastinating is the moment you realize that you are two, five, or ten years older and nothing has changed. You're still in the same place, still in the same situation. Then we are stuck asking ourselves, where did all the time go? Remember, we can't turn back the hands of time. Once time is gone, it's gone. We can always get more money, but we can never, and I mean never, buy any more time. Number two, procrastination causes us to blow opportunities. Ask yourself, how many opportunities have you wasted because you didn't take advantage of them when they were there? Most opportunities only come around once. You are never guaranteed a second chance. Opportunities are the world's way of giving you more, but you have to reach out and grab them. Number three, procrastination prevents us from meeting goals. Now, we set goals because we have a deep desire to better our lives in some way. When you don't set goals or work to accomplish them, you destroy the possibility to better your life. Number four, procrastination could ruin your career. Now, procrastination can prevent you from meeting deadlines or achieving your monthly targets. 
It might cause you to miss promotions or put you at risk at losing your job. Number five, procrastination will lower your self-esteem. Now, procrastination causes you to doubt yourself and question what is wrong with you. When we have low self-esteem, we hold ourselves back and then we feel less than we should and this leads to self-sabotage. Number six, procrastination causes us to make poor decisions. Now, when you procrastinate, you make decisions under pressure because time is running out. We also make emotional decisions that are based on how we feel at the time. Number seven, procrastination damages our reputation. When we keep saying that we will do something and we don't, it causes our reputation to become damaged. Number eight, procrastination puts our health at risk. Procrastination is linked to stress and anxiety, and these in turn are linked to health issues. Sometimes procrastination ultimately leads to depression, which in turn affects other areas of our life. Now that we understand how procrastination can hurt us, let's look at some of the tips to help us stop procrastinating. Number one, remind yourself, remind yourself that there's always more to be done than can be done. Then ask yourself if you're getting the right things done. It's not about just doing a whole bunch of things. It's about doing the right things that's going to bring you closer to where you want to go. Number two, make a smart to-do list by including only the items that you're avoiding, not the ones you'll do anyway. It's easy for us to create these to-do lists and put all the stuff that's, that's really easy to do or the things that we like doing, but we need to go ahead and do the harder ones first. That's how we make progress. Number three, break the task down so you don't feel overwhelmed. Once you start to enjoy a small accomplishment or two, you are more likely to finish. It'll give you that motivation to keep going. Number four, Eliminate the temptation to do something else. Number five, make a deal with yourself that if you finish the task now, you can enjoy some other enjoyable tasks later. Number six, focus on the success you will achieve and the joy you will feel. Number seven, come up with a consequence that will deter you from avoiding the task. Number eight, ask someone with more experience in that particular field to help you. And number nine, make your intentions public. This will add pressure, but for some of us, avoiding embarrassment is the best motivator. And another thing about making your intentions public, like I said my goals that I want to achieve for the rest of this year, I put them out there on this call and I had tons of people reach out to me with suggestions and ways to help me to be able to achieve my goals. So when you make them public, people will reach out to you and help you and maybe show you some things that you never knew, right? Show you some techniques or some ways that you could go about accomplishing whatever your goal is that you probably didn't even think of. All right. All right. Well, that's all that we have for this show. I want to remind you, if you ever want to go back and re-listen to any of the old shows, you can go to www.powerhh.com. That's www.powerhh.com. 
com. If you ever want to listen to my live shows and you're here in the United States or don't mind calling the United States, you can call in at 404-793-7050 anytime, no, not anytime, on Monday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. So that's Monday night, Eastern, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, and the call-in number is 404-793-7050. If you guys want to stay in contact with me, I love to hear your stories. I get so many stories from people all over the world telling me how they're using these principles to change their lives. You can email me at any time at Coach Mark Speaks. That's Coach Mark Speaks at gmail.com or connect with me on Facebook. My name on Facebook is Mark Star, M A R K S T A R R. All right. Um, also, want to remind you that I know that you have three people that should have listened to this show. Share this show with them. Tell them about the station that you're listening to it on and let them know that they probably should listen. It'll help to improve their lives. All right. Um, it's close to the end of the year. Don't forget, we, we, we definitely have to accomplish two goals before the end of this year. I want everyone to come up with two goals they'd like to accomplish and one fear that they would like to overcome. All right? So two goals and one fear before the end of this year. And the quote that we're going to end today's show with is, Procrastination is the fear of success. People procrastinate because they are afraid of the success that they know will result if they move ahead now. Because success is heavy, carries responsibility with it, it is much easier to procrastinate and live on the someday I will philosophy. And that's Dennis Waitley. Don't forget, if you have not downloaded my book yet, you can download it at www.repeataftermebook.com. Thank you and until next show. Thanks for listening to Power in a Half Hour with Coach Mark. To listen or re-listen, go to powerinahalfhour.com. Follow Coach Mark on Instagram and Twitter at Coach Mark Speaks. Find Coach Mark on Facebook by searching for Mark Star. Like our Facebook fan page, Power in a Half Hour, and join our Power in a Half Hour Facebook group. See you next week. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.